You're about to listen to a Second City Works presentation. Brought to you in partnership with WGN Radio. Subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming platform or listen on WGNRadio.com. And be sure to share. The Second City is a world-famous comedy theater, and it got so famous because it has produced generation after generation of comedy superstars. That didn't happen by magic. Second City's improvisational pedagogy fuels great performance, and the same practices that have made stars of everyone from Bill Murray to Tina Fey can be applied for success offstage, at work, at home, and in the world. I'm Kelly Leonard. Vice President of Creative Strategy, Innovation, and Business Development at The Second City. This podcast is about collaborative conversations, discovering connections, and building a better future. This is Getting the Yes And. In their new book, The History of Sketch Comedy, our guests tonight, Keegan-Michael Key and L. Key, expand on their award-winning podcast, offering a deeper exploration of the world of sketch comedy with personal anecdotes and contributions from legends within the comedy world. In this book, they take readers on a humorous journey from the original Comedia dell'arte to the future of sketch comedy. One note on the event today, although Keegan and L. will be discussing this incredible book, as we all know, this, their union is currently on strike, and according to SAG after rules, unfortunately cannot promote past, uh, present, or upcoming union projects. So while we may not be discussing specifics about some of our favorite shows today, tonight's conversation will give us all a little more time to dig into this incredible book. And if you haven't already, I encourage all of you to pick up your pre-signed copy of the History of Sketch Comedy at the Seminary Co-op table just outside this room. And before I introduce our speakers, I'd like to give special thanks to our presenting partners, the Robert R. McCormick Foundation, Builders Vision, and Freedom Properties, and our fall season sponsors, Abelson Taylor, Southwest Airlines, the City University of Chicago, and Wintrust. And we'd also like to express our gratitude to Elaine and Roger Haydock for their support of tonight's program, which is part of their long-standing humor series, Shining a Spotlight, on some of the biggest names in comedy that grace the stage of Chicago humanities. I'd also like to thank our, uh, our whom were in our home tonight, Francis W. Parker School, um, for their support of this program. And finally, I'd like to thank our members and donors whose support allows us to produce our ambitious spring and fall festivals. The generosity of our members accounts for the majority of our annual budget, so if you love what we do, please consider joining today. Membership is vital to our success, and you can join at the box office following this program or online at chicagohumanities.org. Leading our conversation tonight is Kelly Leonard, Vice President of Creative Strategy, Innovation, and Business Development at the Second City, with whom we're partnering on this event tonight. He has spoken at prestigious events like Aspen Ideas Festival and TEDx Broadway, and guest lectured at Stanford and the University of Chicago. With over two decades at Second City, he has collaborated with renowned talent including Tina Fey, Stephen Colbert, Amy Poehler, Seth Meyers, and one of our guests tonight, Keegan-Michael Key. Please help me welcome Kelly Leonard. Off-Broadway theater and independent films, 
Apple is the co-president of Bigger Picture Media Group and served as an executive producer on shows like Brain Games and Game On. Her award-winning work has earned her accolades, including a People's Voice Webby Award for Best Writing in 2022. Emmy and Peabody Award-winning actor Keegan-Michael Key is known for his diverse talents in comedy and drama. He gained fame through multiple award-winning shows, Key and Peele, and has starred in Schmidt The Prom, Reboots, and Wonka, with notable voice roles, uh, voice roles in Lion King, Toy Story 4, and more. He has also showcased his skills on stage in productions like Hamlet and Meteor Shower, as well as his time as a cast member of a little theater called The Second City, both in Detroit and Chicago. They have co-written this fantastic new book, The History of Sketch Comedy, A Journey Through the Art and Craft of Humor. Please welcome L. Key and Keegan Michael Key. Thank you. Thank you. Good Chicago welcome. Yeah. Very exciting. Um, hello, I'm sorry. Uh, and I, I, just, I, I keep doing this myself, but I'm sure because it tells us to swivel the chairs. It's so lovely. But they're not squeaking. If they're squeaking, I think, no, they're not squeaking. We're good. I think we're good. Well, we just want to make sure that people over there don't get the back of it. Exactly. Chair, sight, okay? lines, sight lines. Hi, everybody over here. Hi, no everybody lines. over here. Okay. We'll make so, sure if I go this way, you go that way, and we'll be good. Okay. okay. And I'll be in Scotland before ye. You talked in the book about understanding an individual's community sensibility. You kind of just oh. know where they're from, and often, like, what made their family laugh. So I'm curious with you a little bit of where you're from and where your comedy gene comes from. Comedy gene, that's a great way to put it because if we definitely have comedy comedy genes in our family. Um, so I grew up in and around New York City. Uh, Jew- Yay, yes. thank you. Thank you. Right. Mom, is that you, Mom? <laughs> um, just, you know, my, my mom is actually in New York right now. Um, but we, uh, we grew up in a house who happened to be Jewish and, and learned that culturally, um, telling, so you've got one Jew and one Jewish one New York. <laughs> The one New Yorker. The one New Yorker. All right. This is is good. This is good. These jokes are going to go over great in this guy. So, my uh, uh, both of my parents tell jokes. Some one of them better than others. Um, Aunts and uncles, grandparents, and like my grandfather always had like a limerick book around and silly things like that. And then when I was a kid. We were lucky enough to get up to the Catskills sometimes in the summer. And even when I was a kid, we'd sit in the back. One person from the cat. I'm kidding, even track. We, we would sit in the back of the theater. And I mean, Alan King and Robert Klein and all these amazing uh, comedians would be there. And the, the audiences were really, really uh, very excited and lots of laughing. And you go, where, what? What do you have to do to do that? How do you make people do that? And I've done many things in my life, but, but Keegan, and Keegan's done many things too, but comedy is definitely something that we have in common. And when we, when we first met, we started talking about kind of the science of humor, like the math of how you break down a joke or what makes a joke funny or, or what the path is that has a turn. That how, what, what's a good setup? 
a setup and a punchline. Like for, so what we call them like hard jokes, which is like with a traditional joke joke, as opposed to someone telling a funny story or doing a bit or sketch comedy, as these guys are uh, proficient at. But, but like, what's a good hard joke? So when we, so when we met, yeah. you want to, what? No, no, no you, you go ahead. No, I was saying that. So when we met, this was kind of the, one of the first conversations about, well, if we're going to work together, what do you think is funny? Like, what do you think is good? What kind of things... Do you want to, right? That makes sense. Like, what do we have if we're going to be in a working relationship? What are the projects that you like? What are the TV shows that you like the joke ratio? Like, Modern Family, you could probably almost set your watch. It's like there's a joke every 90 seconds on Modern Family or some kind of silly bit that comes up. So, uh, and, then, and then I also found out, and this is amazing for my, my friend over here, is he's never heard, like, any old Jewish jokes. <laughs> like... I'm just a little black Catholic boy from Detroit, so. The lions, the lions. Oh my God! Now I wish I wish you weren't here because now I'm just going to be thinking about you all night. Go. He's wearing a lion's jersey. So that, I love is that it. about right? That's what we did. Um, that, what's that? that? That was kind of our. You can. I was going to say that that's that was kind of our first. That was our first. It was certainly at our first meeting that there was no. I did not understand. I, I had not heard any of these jokes, and so she was just on cloud nine. And and, she, and the very first joke, the very first joke she told me, uh, she I laughed so hard she couldn't believe. She was like, "No, come on, give me a break. You, you've never heard any of these jokes." And um, I just think, well, you know what? Tell them the joke. Do you guys want to hear the joke? <laughs> want to hear the joke? This is, a, is that wait, okay is it, with you? Do you want the, the first the, joke? The first joke, the first joke you ever told me from okay. our first meeting. I actually meeting. do remember. We, be, the reason why I remember the first joke I ever told him is because sometimes we're in a room and King is like, you know that first joke you ever, you should tell that joke. So I know which, I know which one it is. Yes. Okay. Sometimes we're in a room with 900 people. Yeah. 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 Um, that's good. There's no kids, right? A couple? Maybe a couple? No? Okay. Um, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I've told it in front of my mother. It's fine. Um, so, okay. Uh, there's a little kid, and if you know the answer, don't no, that bad. The punchline. They don't know the joke. They don't know. Okay. There's a little... We, we've established there's only one Jew here. They this don't, is a lot of... They don't know the joke. This one's not Jewish. This is actually... It's, it's a little more of an East Coast joke, but it, it works in Chicago, I think. Um, is there's a little kid, and he's smoking, and an old guy comes up to him, and he says, Kid, you know, you really shouldn't smoke. Like, I mean, it's, it's really bad for you. And the, the kid says, Well, my grandfather's 95 years old. The guy goes, Wow. He, he's a smoker? And he goes, No, he minds his own fucking business. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Swivel away. Yes. I mean, I know there's a lot of Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's, 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 a, welcome, it's a welcome distraction. Go, go Lions. Go Lions. But this is, you know, I'm, I met you there. And I'm curious, like, Detroit, in terms of your comedy team. Yeah, it's very different. The, 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 you know, the one thing that I found in Detroit, especially at the Second City, that was fascinating, was that um, we had no tourist base. Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? So that was kind of it, it, yes. <laughs> 
You may laugh at that, Chicago, yes, yes. So when we did, we, uh, at the Second City in Chicago, sometimes they'll do one show or, or maybe two shows a year because of all the tourism that comes into the city. In Detroit, we did three to four shows a year because we had the same audience coming over and over and over again. But, um, and I, I but found- But he, he doesn't mean like they only performed once for four months and they didn't perform again. He means the same material, right? The yes, the change. same material. Okay. Yeah, we, it wasn't we, like we, you did three shows in a year. Right, I just wanna... we, we would perform yeah. the same, yeah, no, yes, we didn't just do <laughs> one show. It was that dangerous <laughs> to get to the, to three, the three. theater. Sweet gig, yeah, yeah. sweet gig. Yeah. One show every three months, boom, they we're out. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but the, 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 the humor in Detroit was always very, kind of very raw and physical. And that's what I remember the most about the difference, kind of the big difference between the Second City Chicago and the Second City Detroit is that the, the, the humor here would be both physical and very heady. It could, it could be one or the other. Whereas in Detroit, it was always, we, we, I mean, I, I felt like I was losing about three pounds a night doing shows there. It was like, it was like a James Brown concert, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so we... When I came to Chicago, there was a little bit of an adjustment to make. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I love in the book, so there's history, but there's also uh, comedy philosophy. Uh, and you talk about the fact that laughter and comedy create connections. absolutely true. Um, I have a friend, Nir Ayel, who's a technologist, who, who once said to me that um, it's not a superpower unless it can be used for evil. <laughs> So I'm curious in terms of uh, comedy, when, when you think about this, and you do touch on this a little bit, it, it can bring people together, but it also separate people. And we see people sort of in the public sector, the sector who do that. Um, but then the more powerful usage, I think, what, what you talk about, and certainly what we've all been interested in in our careers, is how we can, there, there's a phrase that uh, the shortest distance between two people is a laugh. Oh, that's neat. Oh, I like that. Never heard that. Yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> I love it. They're giving you a round of applause, Kelly, for that line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's actually something that Keegan and I, uh, we did a, a Milken conference panel about this uh, uh, two months ago, is that I, when Keegan and I started working together, and I, I've been writing for him for about eight years now, I was very adamant if he was going to host a show or whether it's a TV show like the Brain Games kind of show or Game On or if it's hosting the NFL Honors, go Lions. If it's hosting, <laughs> if it's hosting you know, an award show or presenting an award show and ev- everything that he says is to bring joy, comes from excitement. I'm like, guys, we're doing a show about football. Keegan loves football. There's so much we can talk about. He can make fun of himself. He can make fun of the fact that he's a Lions fan, although right now it's getting better. Um, he, can, he, can, uh, he can make fun of himself, but we don't make fun of him, and we don't make fun of anyone else unless they're in on it, or they're included, or they're part of it. Thank you. It is, and Keegan attest to it, he, we're, we'll be, for a while we were like on Zoom calls, and it would be like me and five male writers, and I'm the head writer, and I was like, guys, we're not doing that joke. We're not doing this joke, and we're not doing this joke. I want to make sure that everything is uplifting or connecting. And we did a really funny joke with Rob Gronkowski, with Gronk, at the NFL Honors two years ago. And so 
I wrote, I wrote this bit where basically I, some writers pitched some jokes, but Keegan, Keegan is singing a song and he's going through and I kind of made a, a little family circus cartoon of where Keegan goes and who he sings with. And then he gets to a point where he says something like, uh, or the guy that came back to play with his best, who retired, but he came back to play with his bestest buddy and he's supposed to just say, we're back. That everyone else has been singing the song, we're back, we're back, we're back. He gets to Gronk. And Gronk just kind of smiles and nods, and Keegan stops the music, <laughs> stops the show, stops everything. Hey, uh, that's, uh, that's you, buddy, Gronk, that's you. Oh, my bad, Keegan. Well, uh, you want to be part of the song? And Gronk's like, uh, sure, what do I do? He says, oh, I'm going I'm to sing, and at the end, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, all you have to do is say Gronk when I cue you. All right? So then... You know, Keegan does this rap. It's really cute. He's like, you know, this whole thing, it's, the whole rap is about Rob Gronkowski. And then I literally wrote the last line as, and when I drive, I like to honk. I'm sitting right here, and my name is... And then he goes, Rob. <laughs> so, I... <laughs> It's on, it's on, it's, it's the opening of the NFL Honors two years ago. It's super fun. So he's so, so I did, I said, look, this is so, I, um, and I rehearsed with Rob. I called Rob. I, I said, it's okay. And I said, so I, I'm, these are my, my thoughts on this, Rob. You can either say Gronk and Keegan's going to be so excited that you got it right. Or you could say Rob and like, and I even gave him trigger fingers. Yeah. I was like, like as if he got it. And he says, Rob. And he said, he's like, no, no, it's funnier if I say Rob. Yeah. Rob Ronkowski says, it's funnier if I say Rob. Yeah. He's brilliant, he's perfect, and he hits it out of the park. And, and he's in on the joke. Yeah. He's in on it. Now, someone watching it might think, oh, wow. But he, he was in on the whole thing, and that's what he wanted. And I really feel like everybody here laughed. Everybody laughed at the show. Rob looks good. He looks like a great sport. The whole thing works out. And then I actually had Keegan say, that works too. Three, four, and he gets the band back in and, you know, that whole bit. And it was like, it was lovely because we didn't make fun of Rob. We called Rob and said, hey, do a bit with us. What do you say? Right? Yeah. But, yeah. but it, I, I mean, I fight for that every day. I fight for that. It's not easy. It's not easy. Can you define bit? Can I define bit? Um, yeah, the, 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 it, within a comedy structure, whether it's, whether it's like a joke that she just told about the little boy, the, the, uh, um, or it's in a sketch, in a, sketch a bit is always is the moment that you understand the game of a scene or the game of what's happening right now. So like, we're probably gonna, a, a, a bit is every time we go to this gentleman right here in the Detroit Lions jersey. That's gonna be a bit. Like, trust me, we're gonna talk about him at least six more times <laughs> during this evening. Um, um, it, it, it's, so that go-to moment, that, that moment that, and the reason that you laugh is because it's something that we all share now. We all share we all, we, we're, we're, all in on we're all in on it here together. He's happy. He's got his jersey on. We're three and one, and everything's <laughs> everything's new in the world. Dogs and cats living together. The Detroit Lions are good. And so, so, so every time we mention the Detroit Lions, there's going to be some titter or giggle because we're all in on it. We all know that this is something that's happened tonight. It's ethereal, right? It 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 will never happen again. 
It will never happen that, that, that he's sitting in that seat, that he said go Lions, that we're all together. So the bit, that, that's the bit, the bit of that particular, um, or, or I should say, that is the bit. And, and, and it's, it's, it's difficult to describe, but what happens when we're on stage, um, or, or actually, I'll, I'll use an example. Um, you, you know, remember we were talking yesterday about, or two days ago about Nichols and May. Mm-hmm. And there's an old Nichols and May sketch. Nichols and Mike, May, Nichols. Mike Nichols and Elaine May, who, who were a comedy team. Yes. Well, Chicago and certainly a lot of Chicagoans know Nichols and May. And there's a, there's a, a, a sketch where they're playing, where Nichols is a doctor and May's the nurse. And they're in the operating room, and the doctor just goes, the doctor goes. Okay, I'll do, I'll do, I'll do that. Okay, the doctor, the doctor I, goes. You ready? It's right. pretty easy. It's pretty easy. It's okay. not a lot of lines. It's, okay, go. Oh, now you gotta imagine too, this is not a visual performance. This is a, everyone just close your eyes. It's like a reggae, no, it's, I'm teasing. Everybody it's like on the, on the record, it's like a record. You put on a record of these, these sketches, which is amazing. And uh, so they start off by Nichols saying, Gauze. Uh, gauze, doctor. Thank you. Gauze. Gauze, doctor. Gauze. Mm-hmm. Here's, uh, gauze. Gauze, please. Um, there's, there's, there's no more gauze, doctor. There's no more gauze. N- no, there's no more gauze. It's Pensky, isn't it? So what, he You're thinks dating. the nurse is dating a different doctor, and that's the whole, like, that's the bit. I don't know the next line. That's okay, that's okay. <laughs> I'm just going to explain. But the bit is that what she bit says is the bit no is... for gauze, he's like, it's because of Bensky. Well, the bit, but there's two bits. There's what? two bits. The other bit, of course, is that you, I could say gauze probably 15 times in a row. And you guys would keep on laughing. And, 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 and then, and then, and then the, you know that thing where someone does something and it's funny and it's funny and then it becomes unfunny and then it becomes funny again and then it becomes unfunny and then it's funny again it's depending on how many times you do it. It's you know, like Will Ferrell in the shed. Get off the shed! Get off the shed! Um, you guys know that? Do, you guys know that one? Get down off the shed! Are you on the... Get off the shed! And he could just keep on saying, get off the shed, ad infinitum, and, and we keep laughing, and that's, that's, that's the kernel of what a bit is. Yeah. One of my uh, favorite stories about this uh, was Neil Flynn, who is an alum of the Second City. You might know him, he was the janitor on Scrubs, and he was in the middle. Uh, also uh, an actor who performed Steppenwolf. Yes. And he yes. was at Steppenwolf, um, and he was um, talking to Martha, the late Martha Lake, who was the artistic director. And he was, he was saying, yeah, well, when I did my one-man guy with guys and dolls, uh, <laughs> and he was mentioning the shows he was doing, and then Martha stops and goes, oh, is that one of your lies? Is that one of your lies? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, we call them mitts. Uh, <laughs> they're lies, I guess. <laughs> and bits comes from, um, a bits, um, Bits comes from Konstantin Stanislavski, the acting teacher from, from uh, the 1800s and the early 1900s. It comes from him because people, he used to talk about his, the Stanislavski system or the method, you know? And he would talk about these different beats, the, the, the beats that come in, uh, come in each, in the midst of a scene, you'd have different beats. And what he was actually saying 
It's funny, Stanislavski was saying bits. You're going to do this bit, and then you're going to do this bit. But because he was Russian, he was saying, and you're going to do this bit, and then we move on to this bit, and then the character will move to this bit. And that's where we get the phrase beats from in acting, is that Stanislavski had an accent. I believe that. Is that one of those things where you go, is that true? Is it... Which statement is true? It, it sounds, sounds good, right? Yeah. It sounds true. You, I, I would just... I once heard. I once heard, yes, yes, yes. Just in case. Just in case someone's like writing... Kiki Michael Key said it was. I believe it. It sounds good. I like yeah, that it's one. It's a good sounding story. I yeah. like that story. I've never heard that story, actually. Yeah. And uh, by the way, that was a fantastic Russian accent. I've not... He does a lot of accents. And if, if you haven't heard the podcast, The History of Sketch Comedy, um, when I pitched the idea, I said, We'd, we're not getting any footage. Do you know this? We don't have any clips. We don't have any clips. We don't have any footage. We have no licensing. I said, Keegan's just going to do every voice from every single <laughs> sketch. And Keegan was like, what was your... <laughs> I, I was like, I'm sorry, what was that? Um, <laughs> I'm doing what now? Yeah. <laughs> but he killed it. The audience pre-submitted some questions. Yes. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. So Susie Hall asks, does El Campo honey jokes, but Keegan might have just repeats them and say them louder? And, 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 where are you? Where are you? You're my best friend. Where are you? And in parentheses, what my husband always does to me. Right. <laughs> A double burn. Um... Keegan's my favorite actor, and and as a director, I've had the privilege of working with a lot of fantastic people and a lot of not so fantastic people. And and if I could pick someone to put in a project, it would be him. So I've been very lucky. Part of the reason why I like him so much is that it because I do write for him. So if I write something and he says it on camera and hits it out of the park, it's a joy. It's a pleasure, and he usually does. So it's pretty easy. Oh, look at the oh, way he's like, sweet. don't look at me. But um, <laughs> when we're but when we're when we're on set on a commercial, and I'm not directing. Now I'm in trouble because I'm going to say it again. I'm not directing, and I'm there as a consultant or giving doing some writing notes or some copy stuff. I will text him sometimes and be like, hey, hit this word the next time you say that line. You know, and then it's stealth directing. Stealth. Shh, don't nobody. This is um, this is the circle of trust in here, right? There's only, it's just us, anyone. guys. It's just us. But yeah. because because part of it though, but but the biggest reason why is because I know what he can do, and I I write anything that I've ever written for him is to is to lift him up and make him shine in the most Keegan-y, Michael Key way he could shine. Thank you, honey. You're welcome. So, but, but he does let me. I mean, look, even here, he's like, L, you tell. Tell, the, tell that, right? Tell yeah. the joke. Tell a joke. You want to tell another joke? <laughs> Do you want to hear another? Of course you want to hear another joke. These are the best jokes. This is, will you tell my favorite joke? Which is your my favorite joke? The short joke. one? The short one, yeah. Okay, this, it, only because it's short. This is a short joke. Um, so back to the... Uh, ni- the nice Jewish girl from New York thing. 
I was like, you don't know, there's, there's so, how many jokes start like there's an old couple, there's an old thing, like those jokes. And so when, when I started telling Keegan these jokes, I was like, oh my God, my family's going to lose their damn minds when they meet you. Because they're like, he knows nothing? He knows none of these jokes? <laughs> Boy, I got jokes. I got, so sometimes we even call my dad and I'll, we'll hear a joke. Keegan will lose his mind. I'll call my dad and I'll just give my dad the punchline and my dad will tell the whole joke. It's, yeah, pretty, it's, it's awesome. pretty amazing. It's awesome. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And he's 82, and he's like, I got this one. I know this one now. Okay, so that's a lot of setup for two lines. That's the most. He's like, yeah. like, all right. So uh, this old lady, she yells downstairs to her husband, and she says, Morty, why don't you come upstairs and make love to me? And he says, fine, but I can't do both. <laughs> And thank you for any of you who have heard this joke before and not say anything. The only Jew in the room. Thank you. She's, I know there's more. She just, she was the first, she was the quick one. And I was like, yes. Thank so you. you talking, so you were talking about the people you saw at Catskills and one of the yeah. people who mentioned Robert Klein who ended up becoming a second city on Dave Steinberg as well. Um, I'm curious, when did you first hear of second city? Hmm. I guess because I was I was in New York and in New York City I think Upright Citizens Brigade had a pretty good following there mm-hmm. so yeah. um, and I I did go on a path where I thought if you wanted to make movies or TV shows that you acted because as a kid that's what you see you see the actors you don't see the directors or the cameras or I always joke sometimes waiting if you turn the camera around you'd be shocked and what was going on behind all of that chaos just to see one person in a room. And um, so I think along the way, I did go to some shows. So, so somewhere along the way, I, I probably had learned about people at SNL. And you say, okay, well, where did they... What was their path, right? What was Gilda Radner's path, or what was their path? And you, then you go Second City in Chicago, or they go to school, and you go, we don't have any money, I'm not going anywhere. So what's here? Is there something closer? And they'd be like, oh, you can go to, you know, maybe it was at UCB and see a show. Um, but I, I spent a lot of time working in theater so that I could see theater. Sure. So I was one of those kids who, out of college, um, there was a theater company in New York that doesn't really exist anymore. It's called Naked Angels, and it was Matthew Broderick, Sarah Jessica Parker, Marissa Tomei. And someone had mentioned this, and they said, boy, if I could go back and do it again, I'd find a theater company like Naked Angels. And, and, really? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And then at the end, what? No, I'm just you, you know that? Uh-huh. Okay. So, so um, when I was finishing up my senior year of college, they said I would do anything. I'd sweep floors, clean bathrooms, stuff envelopes, whatever you could do. So I, a couple weeks before I graduated, I said, hi, uh, my name is Elle, and I'm graduating from Syracuse, and I'm directing a three-camera live television show at, at school right now, which happened to be a comedy show, um, and, uh, you know, like a TV sketch comedy show. And I want to come and help and volunteer and they were like, great, uh, can you come on Tuesday? And I was like, I can stuff envelopes. And then I started reading stage directions and stage managing and running lights, sound. I was like, I can, whatever I can do, I'm going to be there, waiting tables at night, co-checking at a gay bar on the Upper East Side, whatever I could do so I could be at the theater during the day and do whatever I could. Yeah. Wow. 
No, I, I, I was, I, for me, everything happened in school, for me mostly, because when I was in school, I, um, the, the small little Catholic university that I went to, the University of Detroit, was, was a, um, a theater in the community that I grew up in, where people, the shows got reviewed. It wasn't just kind of an insulated university experience. It was one of the theaters in the town, if that makes any sense. So people, people spent a lot of time reviewing the shows there, and we ran, we ran our theater department like a theater company. And so for me, it was staying up till 3 o'clock in the morning and hanging lights and, and, getting, and, get, you know, and then doing carpentry and, and coming, you know, taking, take, going home, taking a shower, coming right back at like 6 a.m. to finish up. And, and it, was, it, was, but it, it was bliss. Every moment of it was bliss. Because I got to, just like Elle, got to be around theater. That's all that was important to me. And if I couldn't be in the plays like Elle, I wanted to watch the plays. So I would volunteer to be the light board operator or volunteer to be the, the guy who was patching the lights backstage. And just anything to be in the sphere yeah. of, of theater. Uh, my son Nick, uh, who's just uh, 26, he quit his corporate job in Chicago and just had an apprenticeship at Shakespeare. That's that fantastic. About, that seems about right. Uh, he, he said something in the book that I really loved, and he said in the Second City quote, there was always a parachute, and I learned that parachute with my imagination. Yeah, it's, 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 um, am I, wait, did I, did I say that? She wrote it. Yeah. So, to answer okay. Susie's question. So, um, yeah. so, so the book is, Keegan's life, Keegan's journey, my interviews of Keegan, my understanding of Keegan, and my, some of it is my interpretation of Keegan. So, so, so. This is just a really long roundabout way of answering that woman's question. So, so I, I have a, I have a different, uh, let's say so. Keegan's voice, which I've kind of been writing for about eight years, all of this stuff is everything in this book is Keegan history, and then some of my journey and my life. And I really felt very strongly. And this is the first room again. This is like the this is the sanctuary here. I felt very strongly that it, that the book has one voice. I thought that it should have one narrator. It should have one, you know, one. Uh, tour guide, let's say, through the history. And Keegan's life and journey has all of these amazing places. He really did work in a Renaissance festival. He really was at Second City. He, he's the only, by the way, I don't know if you know this, he's the only alum from Mad TV to ever host Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yep. It's, um, yeah, I think Lauren Michaels doesn't like to share with competition, so it, so yeah. But anyhow, we love we love Lauren. But uh, the the thing is, is that it, so I took all of this information and kind of put it put a path together, and so there are places where I let's say put some. In, I don't know what what creative uh, license. license to to help tell the story. 
But it's all, it's all Keegan's story. It's not like I made up that he went to Sega City. What happened? You were just about to say Nothing. I was just to say, you wrote the book, Al. You no, wrote, we wrote, we wrote <laughs> But he wrote, she wrote I mean, a he fantastic wrote stories. Book. He wrote yeah. stories. So what Keegan would do is Keegan would record, I would record him and interview him, and then I compiled everything. So I'm like, the, but the team, the team of us is yes, the book. No, yes, I agree. It's, it's, I mean, this book is, it's Keegan. It's all Keegan. Every page is Keegan. <laughs> It's all you. This whole book is you. But, but you, sometimes I, I would, you know, add some flourish. It's the same story. I just went, huh, what? You said parachute, but, you know, and then what was your parachute? Like, sometimes I'd have to, like, okay, okay, and then how do I, if I'm going to, I want to I find a transition from, I mean, these are, Welcome to our living room. I want to find a transition that takes you from here to there. How do you go from ancient Greece to, and you, when you read the book, you'll see it kind of follows, each chapter has a, his, a history piece, a, like a, le, a little bit of a lesson, a Keegan story that relates to something that we're talking about, and then something at the end called a, hey, we call it a, hey, you can't do that moment, which was inspired by Keegan watching sketches and going, you can't do that, that's ridiculous, that's so silly. And so I was like, wouldn't it be fun if we found something at the end of each chapter so that when you read it, you know you're coming to the end of the chapter, or you have some kind of pattern to follow. And so along the way, I'd say, okay, I need a transition from talking about ancient Greece to something in your life. What's a transition in your life? And if anyone's curious about the writing process of Key and Key, and he would say, well, I I grew up kind of near Greek town. (laughs) And I'm like, no, that'll work. That'll work. I think that works. I think that works because... Because it's silly, and it's funny to say, you know, uh, we're going to take you from uh, the history of ancient Greece to my history. Well, I'm not far from Greek town, and I was a chariot ride away from uh, the Parthenon, which is a diner, right? Is a restaurant? A diner, yep. Do you know the Parthenon? You know the Parthenon? No? No. He doesn't know the Parthenon? You don't know the Parthenon. It's in Detroit. And he's, no, he's, he's like, I'm just alive. What's that? Oh, in Madison? Wisconsin? Okay, wait a minute. He got nervous. Wait a minute. You're in Chicago. You're a Detroit Lions fan, but you're from Madison, Wisconsin. Where's, where's Patty? He just, he, just, he just went, yep. Patty, yep. there's Patty. Patty, are you from, you're from Detroit, Patty, right? Okay, we got a Detroiter. Do you know the Parthenon, Patty? Okay, good. Yes. Do they have good um, uh, moussaka? They have very good moussaka. Good moussaka. Do you remember Patty? Good pastizio, good moussaka. Yep. Mm -hmm. Wait, what'd you say? The Parthenon, first Greek restaurant you ever at. All right. Okay, good. That's my friend Patty. I've been friends with they Patty. They went to like elementary school together. Like, I went to, yeah, I've been friends with yeah, Patty for, good. what, 47 so, years? So that was kind of the, yeah. I know this is a long roundabout way for that first question, but that was kind of the process. Is I was like, how do I, how do I? Right. Nobody got that. No one else has gotten any of this. No one else has gotten this. This is information. We saved all of this for Chicago. This is yes. secret information. Right? Secret. You have a question? Okay. We're ready. Oh, 
Oh, no, feeling ageist towards herself. That's horrible. Um, I, I, I think, I, I know this, it sounds, it sounds maybe corny, but just remember, remember that you are enough. That's the thing that's really important to remember is that you are enough. El, what did you say? You, you, we were talking about this earlier today, and you mentioned, you mentioned something to the effect of how much it took for you to get here. What was Meaning, the, what, like how many, how many people had to meet and fall in love and marry and have kids and have grandkids and you know, there's there's memes like that out there about you could say it fourteen thousand people created you, like all these people in your past that had to come together to do all these things to get you. So if you're here, you're special, and if you're here, you're enough. And um, we met. We were forty four when we met. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think so. Yeah, I think, something. Yeah. I think we were like forty three or forty four when mm-hmm. we met, and. Um, mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, sometimes I tell people I was, I was 47 when I got married. And I was like, people, but in New York City, that's like, hey, slow down there, right? That's like, <laughs> most of my friends are single and they're like, I'm 54, I'm getting ready, I'm thinking about it. I think Amy Schumer does a whole bit about that. You're 35, slow your roll there. What's going on? But, um, but, but things happen when they're supposed to happen. And uh, everything happens in the, in the time it's supposed to happen. And also, there's an actor at Sex DC right now who did her first review when she's in her 40s. That's fantastic. No, that's rare. Brian was older, yep. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, it's funny because we, 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 as far as I'm concerned, we just mentioned it, which is those, there are those times where I don't feel like I am enough. And what I end up doing is I start, I start instead of living my life as my true self, I, I start to tap, kind of tap dance for the world. Or make up stories. Or I make up stories that are, that are, that are not true. You make up, st- you, you, that are not true about myself. Do you, you, you know what I mean? That you make up stories about yourself and you start to kind of weave this narrative that's not helpful to you. And if, if, if I could go back and talk to my, my younger self, I would say, knock that off. You know, like, don't, don't tell those, wh- wh- why are you, t- what good is telling the story doing you? What, what, what's, what would be helpful right now? Are you telling yourself that you're not enough or are you telling yourself that you can do it? And it sounds so simple and kind of, kind of rudimentary, but that that that's that's the big roadblock for me is that I make up these stories that, oh, oh this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And what you, what you're doing is you're preparing yourself for the worst as opposed to planning for the best. And uh, and that's that's what I would do if I you know, if I had a when we first when we first became friends, it was a conversation we had back then about. Uh, I think one day I said to him, he was like ending, Keen Peel was ending, and he was trying to figure out what to do next. And I said, yeah. um, and I know there's some Tony Robbins version out there of this, so forgive me, but it was, if you didn't have any, if you didn't have any stories standing your way, what would you do? If you didn't make up stories, now granted, we're all, we're all creative, so it's like, God, this is all I do is make up stories, but the stories that stand in your way, what would you do? If you didn't have any stories 
that you told yourself about why you couldn't have something, what would you do? What would you do? Yeah, and that was and that was difficult. It was really, really difficult for me because I was just like, well, what do you? No, no, no. But but I can't do X, Y, and Z. She goes, no, 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 no. If you if if if, if there were no stories, if there were no stories in your way, what would you do? And I go, no, but there, but there, no. <laughs> if there were no stories in your I, way, I would want to do this, but do? immediately he'd say a story about why he can't. Well, okay, I would want to do that, but I can't because, the, like, just can there be a space, a little space between what you want and your story about why you can't have it, and make that space bigger and bigger and bigger, and maybe, uh, maybe never even say the other part. That's right. Yeah, so, that's a good and, one. And that's about being fierce and present in the moment, which is a great way to live your life. So we're all comedy nerds. Uh, I'm, I, I, what I want to do is talk about, like, who, in the book you talk about a lot of great comedy. And uh, so I remember the music box here uh, did a Marx Brothers retrospective, and I took my kids. And the minute Harpo came on the screen, mm-hmm. everything changed. My kids. Oh, really? Um, there, there is, there is, there is a, a comedy team that we mentioned in the book called uh, Bob and Ray, Ray Goulding and Bob Elliott. For those of you, yeah, that's good. They uh, so uh, and and um, Bob Elliott is actually the comedian Chris Elliott's father. Yeah, and he and his partner Ray Goulding, some of the funniest spoken word comedy that you've ever. You've ever you've ever heard, and um, they they rival Nichols and May in a way, and, but there, there's there's this um, that's somebody that I think that people should really know more about. For Bob, uh, for the radio show. Yeah, Did he really? Yeah. That's fantastic. So, so one of the things that Bob and Ray did is, is on their show, they would do these uh, characters or bits that sound like real interviews, like a real interview. And you, you, it takes you a while to realize that they're not real interviews. Like they, they sound, it's like so real. So they did a, they did a bit with a, a guy who's interviewing someone who's in town and he's in town for a convention. And, uh, do you want to, we'll yeah. do a we'll, couple we'll, we'll, we'll lines. Of it. We'll, we'll do it until we'll, people fall asleep. Okay. Right. <laughs> so uh, um, you, you want to ask a question you'd be yes, the, okay. yes. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we, we've never done this in public, so this will be interesting. Okay. Yeah. We're both kind of familiar with it. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have a, a gentleman with us here today who is um, part of an organization that um, is having their their yearly convention here at um, at the convention center. And, um, sir, would you like to uh, introduce yourself and uh, tell us what you're here to? I don't know what his name is. Uh, excuse me one second. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, he's, he just gave me a fake name. Okay. okay. 
Um, would you like to introduce yourself and let uh, tell the people out there at home uh, what, what, what you're here for? My name is Wally P. Gromit. And Wally, can you tell uh, everybody home exactly what uh, organization you belong to? I am a member of the Slow Talkers of America. Slow Talkers of America, right. And, and, uh, and, <laughs> and what exactly is happening here at the... Uh, so you've come to the convention, and, and, and what, 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 is it, what is it that the, your organization is all about, the Slow Talkers of America? Our organization is here at the... Convention Center? Convention Center. We believe that words and phrases should be speaking slowly. Should be speaking be, slowly. Be spoken. Slowly. <laughs> and so, and but it's so great because he, whenever so he says "slow talkers of America," he starts going "America, uh, America, America," and every time they go through another round, you could see he gets angrier and angrier, and just trying, and he tries to cut him off, and then he says, "Our five hundred members." And four <laughs> members, you know, like, like he's going, members, members. People have been talking about for the last like 25 years that everyone has a short attention span now. Right. I don't think that's true. Right, right, yeah. I know. People just don't see, I mean, you know, long, long podcasts and those kinds of bits, and you, and you lay them out in the book, the audition, there's just so many things that are like, no, we're going on this journey. Uh, and so, we only have a couple of minutes left. But we did, break, uh, we did break the book up into lots of sections. There's pictures, there's interviews. It's like there's a lot to keep it busy. So that, well, so that it's not, it's not 300, page, you know, 300 pages of words. No, no. And you also have lovely, you have a lot of, sort of uh, famous uh, comedic voices who share their stories and their ideas. Uh, uh, there was one, actually I wrote down one, I was Dr. Ken, uh, Ken John, uh, uh, who was in the community and is a panelist for the Mass Singer. Uh, and he writes, when you do improv scene, when you do an improv scene in comedy, you're trying to find the truth of the scene. It's the same thing in medicine. He was a doctor. When you're still is. When you're diagnosing a patient, working with the patient long term, you'll keep using diagnostic, diagnostics, keep thinking, and keep educationally improvising until you get to the truth. Yeah, it's really great. Mm-hmm. I think comedy does that too. Yeah, I think comedy saves lives. 
I think. Actually, I think, I think, I think Jim Carrey, who we spoke to, who is, who's in the book, Jim Carrey talks about, um, in, in general, this how comedies helped save him, and and so did. Um, um, talking about comedy saved you. Um, Alan Arkin. Alan, uh, well, Alan Arkin, but we didn't interview Alan Arkin. No, no, in the book. Oh, that we interviewed book. in the book. Yes. Um, no. Um, Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan. And uh, Tracy Morgan, you said that comedy helped save his life. Watching Keenan Peel, he he was in an accident and it's pretty bad, and he was in a coma. And uh, this is fun stuff. This is funny. And he, no, but he said that he would watch Keenan Peel and watch stuff that really helped him. You know, and he has a really, really good sense of humor about it. And when when Keegan and I when Keegan and I got him on the phone, and I was like, "Okay, Tracy, I have these questions, and I'm trying to kind of figure out the the mental math of who's going to go in what chapter, and and I'm going to try to maybe ask questions like these are the three or four chapters I think you might fit in, and where do you go?" And so I said to Tracy, "I said, you know, is there a you, will you be Tracy for a second? He does yeah. a good Tracy. It's pretty good. Is there a uh, is there like a, you know, there's a lot of movies. We talk about movies that feel like they have sketches. There's some movies that are made of sketches and some movies that have sketches in them. Is there a, is there a movie that influenced you that is a sketch movie or a movie that has sketches? Blazing Saddles. <laughs> yeah. so, so is there a, so if there's a way... For you to to answer the question somehow using the question because I've worked on a lot of documentaries and you don't want to be there are different ways of doing it but I don't want to be in it so I'm like okay I'm gonna if you can find a way to to say the answer again but like maybe elaborate a little bit about what you mean or what it was about Blazing Saddles that you liked okay Richard Pryor. <laughs> Okay. Um, so what? I, what my maybe I should tell you what my goal is is to try to get like a paragraph, like we try to get like a paragraph or two that we can then put in the. They was farting in them scenes. <laughs> you know, seeing you and Uncle when they were eating them beans and they was farting. That's a sketch. Keegan once said to him, he said, oh, I met this guy. He said he went to high school with you. Do you remember this guy? And what did Tracy say? You said you told Tracy. Oh, like, I, I some said, guy I, met this guy that, I met this guy that you went to high school with. And he was like, hey, man, listen, Key, I got hit by a truck, man. I was in a coma. I don't remember everybody I went to high school with. I, I, he might be my favorite interview because it was like you didn't know what was gonna and I was like wait what is okay first now you gotta explain what is does anyone know do you know the Richard Pryor Blazing Saddles connection do you know a connection Yes. Yeah, yeah he was a writer on it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the, my understanding is that he was originally supposed to play the role that Cleavon Little played. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the, studio, the studio didn't want him. 
The studio didn't want him. Right. Yeah. And, and Mel also said the studio didn't want him, also, first of all. And Mel also, at that time, he was having lots of difficulties with drugs at that time as well. And not so, Mel. The, not Mel, but, but, but Richard. Mel Brooks. Yeah. You know, Mel Brooks, drug addict. Yes. Finally, it can be said. By the way, Mel, so it's not in the book, but Mel Brooks did tell me a joke. So I told him the kid smoking joke, and of course he thought that was cute. And he's like, "Oh, I never heard that. Didn't see that coming. Didn't know that." But then, but this is so. This is this is not a joke that I usually tell, but it happens to be that the joke that Mel Brooks told us in the interview last year is. Um, so forgive me. This is not this is not in the usual rotation. But the joke is: is a guy goes into a store, goes into a deli, he goes up the counter, and he orders like a you know a bagel or something. And while the food's getting ready, he sees the behind the deli guy. There's like a, a shelf, and it's just boxes and boxes and boxes of salt. And then above that, there's another shelf with boxes and boxes and boxes of salt. And above that, another shelf, boxes of salt. So I said to the guy, I said, uh. Do you uh, do you do you use a lot of salt? He's like, no, no, we don't we don't really use a lot of salt. He says, oh, do you um, do you uh, you sell a lot of salt? He's like, no, I don't I don't sell a lot of salt. He's got a lot of boxes of salt. You you don't sell the boxes of salt. He says, no, I am terrible. I'm terrible at selling salt. He says, but the guy who comes in here and sells me the salt. <laughs> Getting the SN is produced by Second City Works and WGN Radio. Our editor is Iridian Fierro from WGN. We get support at the Second City from Colleen Fahey, Mike Farinaccio, and Emma Smith. The music you hear at the beginning and end of the show is by Jukebox the Ghost. For more information about the Second City, you can go to www.secondcity.com or you can email us directly at works at secondcity.com.
survive.